You're listening to the Clergy Chick Podcast. My name is Rhonda Blevins. I'm the Clergy Chick. From September the 27th, 2020 at Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida, the text is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 23. According to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building on it. Each builder must choose with care how to build on it, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that has been laid, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, the work of each builder will become visible, for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each has done. If what has been built on the foundation survives, the builder will receive a reward. If the work is burned up, the builder will suffer loss. The builder will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple, and that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If you think that you are wise in this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. Let no one boast about human leaders, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All belong to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. We are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Now, I used to believe that statement. It's an anonymous source. I'm not sure who wrote that or said it. I used to believe that. I'm not so sure that I do anymore. Now, there's part of it that's true. I do believe that we are spiritual beings. But let me see what you think. I'm going to say it again. You see if you resonate with this. We are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. See, I'm not so sure about it because it discounts the fact that we are human, beautifully, wonderfully, miraculously human, and everything that that means. We are human. Jesus, when he was walking the planet and teaching during his three years of ministry, I I think that one of the most radical things that he ever said was when he said, the kingdom of God is within you. And when he said that, uh, I I think it it was a paradigm shift. And then Paul, writing some 25 years later, kind of picks up on this theme and and says it a little differently. He says, you are the temple of God. God's spirit dwells in 
you. And a little later on, in the same letter to the church at Corinth, he writes, your bodies are the temple of God. And see, this was, this was radical. I would dare say some maybe thought it was treasonous, blasphemous, and here's why. The kingdom of God is within you, is what Jesus said. Think about what the kingdom was when Jesus said that. What was the kingdom? The Roman Empire. And how dare you suggest that there's another kingdom? Oh, no, no, no. That's called treason right there. So it was treasonous on one hand, and on the other hand, it was blasphemous. For Jesus to say the kingdom of God is within you, because where was God's dwelling place in the minds of his listeners? Somewhere up there, right in the heavens, way beyond the human experience, and God would come and interact with the human race one time per year, one time only, and in one tiny spot on planet Earth. And you know where that place was? It was inside the temple in a room in the temple called the Holy of Holies. And one time per year, one person on planet Earth, the high priest, was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. Now, tonight, this very night, our Jewish brothers and sisters will, uh, will observe Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. That's the day <clears throat> in ancient Judaism where the high priest excuse me, would go into the Holy of Holies. And so now what it looks like is, is um, our Jewish brothers and sisters will fast for a day, they will pray, even the most secular Jews will, will go to synagogue, maybe not this year because this year's weird, but normally they would go to synagogue. But what it looked like back in Jesus' day is that the high priest would have to go through all of these rituals so that he, and it was always a he, he could enter into the Holy of Holies. And let me see if I remember, I, I just read it this morning, so hopefully it's still in my brain. So the things that the high priest would have to do. He would have to change clothes four times. So five different wardrobes the high priest would have to wear. Three of them golden and two of them uh, white uh, linen. So have to change clothes five times. Had to uh, bathe in, in this uh, mikvah, it's called, this, this pool. Have to bathe five times before he could enter the Holy of Holies. Had to wash his hands and feet ten times before he could enter the Holy of Holies. See how we're trying to get rid of humanity? We're kind of trying to wash the humanity off of, off of him so he can go into God's presence. And not only that, he would have to have all these animal sacrifices. Let me see if I can remember. Two rams, two goats, two lambs, one bull, um, and then there's a bunch of food and wine offering. The, the one that's most tragic is the wine offering right there. The food and the wine offering plus an incense offering. So you have to do this whole, this whole ritual before this one human being on planet earth could enter into God's presence on one day per year. And Jesus comes around saying, the kingdom of God is within you. See how that might be blasphemous? Oh, did he just say that? Oh. So Paul, then 25 years later, writing a letter to this church that he founded some years prior, this church at Corinth. He's writing to them, and he kind of picks up on this theme. You are God's temple. You are the temple of God. The Holy Spirit dwells in you, he writes to his friends at Corinth. Now this church in Corinth, it's having trouble. 
it's, it's having all kinds of issues. If you read the first and second Corinthians, you'll see all kinds of issues. One of the issues that they were having was they were in factions. They were divided among themselves because some followed this leader and another followed this leader. And Paul's saying, don't do that. Be unified in Christ. The Holy Spirit is in you. So be unified. Be one. And the other issue that he was addressing was apparently they were experiencing some sexual immorality. And, and here's something interesting about Corinth. In ancient Mesopotamia, Corinth was kind of the, the red light district, if you know what I mean. So it was booming with tourists. Corinth uh, had a temple in Corinth. The main temple was dedicated to Aphrodite, the goddess Aphrodite, who we, we get the word aphrodisiac, right, from the goddess Aphrodite. And so the temple uh, dedicated to Aphrodite would have temple prostitutes, temple slaves. And some historians suggest that maybe even as many as a thousand slaves that this temple would have. So you can see why it was such a tourist destination. And so Paul, writing to the church that's in this city with that going on, he says, you are the temple, not that place. You are the temple. God's spirit dwells in you. You don't have to go over there. You've got God with you always. So that's a little bit of context to help you see what Paul is doing here. Now back to Jesus. I think that one of the primary works, one of the primary works of salvation that Jesus did was to redeem our human corporeal, is the big word. My husband laughs at me when I do that. Just want you to know I have a big brain. Our human bodies. Jesus did that. And every time we observe the sacrament of Holy Communion, what do we, what do we embrace? The body and the blood. Jesus redeems our humanity. You see that? So let me go back to that statement at the beginning. We are human beings having a spiritual experience. And, keyword, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. So what does this mean? Paul says, the uh, you are God's temple. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. So glorify God in your body, he writes in Corinthians. I think that's chapter 6. Well, what does this mean for us? If we're supposed to glorify God in our bodies, does that mean I have to give up eating ice cream every day? No, let it not be. Does it mean I need to take up jogging? What, what does this mean exactly? Does it mean what my youth minister told me it meant that if we're going to glorify God in our bodies, if our, you are, let me kind of channel the spirit of the youth minister. Right? You are God's temple, so don't drink and don't smoke and don't fool around, right? Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> so that's how it was portrayed to me when I was younger. That's what it meant to be the temple of God. But is that what it means? Paul writes to the Corinthians in that same letter. He says, everything is permissible. Oh, but not everything is beneficial. Oh, okay, right, we got it. So what do we do? How do we live into this calling to, to glorify God with our bodies, to honor God with our bodies? I've got 
three pathways that I want to suggest to you today. And they rhyme so that you can remember them, and I can too. The first pathway so that we might glorify God and honor God with our bodies is to friend our bodies. To friend our bodies. We must love our bodies. And that sounds so simple, but you know what I read this week? That 80 to 90% of American women don't like their bodies? And, and I don't think it's just women. I think it's men too. Men aren't as free to talk about that because men in our culture aren't free to talk about a lot of things. We don't like our bodies. We forget that, that every day our heart is pumping blood through our bodies. And every day the neurons are firing, enabling us to think and walk and speak and dream and create Our bodies are fearfully and wonderfully made, we read in the scriptures. And yet we look at the negative, don't we? We we hold ourselves up against what culture says we should be as men or as women. And we, we compare ourselves and it just don't add up. Did you know that as Americans we spend $40 billion every year on diets and diet products? $40 billion years. <clears throat> Now, one of you entrepreneurs can help me figure out this business because if we could convince people that your bodies are okay, give me the $40 billion, right? What do you think? You like that? I'm looking at some of you entrepreneurial people out there. I think we can make a buck or two doing that. Your bodies are fearfully and wonderfully made. It may not look like the 5% of the population that culture says we should look like, but you are perfect in God's eyes just the way you are because guess who created you yeah friend your bodies number two tend your body see how it rhymes I'm so proud of myself tend your bodies I've got an example here over the course of my adult life I can't tell you how many weed eaters I've purchased and so I'll, I'll, I need a weed eater. So I'll go buy a weed eater and, you know, crank it up and weed eat and put it away. And then I'll go out again maybe one more time, crank it up, weed eat. And then a third time or so, I'll go out and try to crank it up. Try, try to crank it. Oh, try to crank it. I actually dropped my microphone doing that. Is it working? <laughs> All right. And it won't work. And so I'll put it away, and then I'll be like, what am I, you know, it's so expensive to get it fixed. I might as well just buy a new one. And so the, the yard grows up, and, and months later, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I need to trim. And so I don't have a weed eater. My weed eater doesn't work. So I'll go to the store and buy another weed eater. Anyway, that's my experience with weed eaters. And I was looking today, trying to think about this example. I was like, what does it take to maintain a, a weed eater? Turns out you have to clean it. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> I mean, it's an outdoor thing. Why should you have to clean it? Not only do you have to clean the, like, sort of engine part, but the stringy thing, you know, you got to clean it. Second thing you have to do is you got to change the air filter. Got to change it. Who knew about that? I mean, maybe somebody knew. I didn't know. You have to change the air filter. You have to empty out the gas tank. You have to change the oil. That's a lot of work. So you know what I do now? I hire a lawn service. (laughs) Hey, by the way, I've got a non-functioning weed eater for sale if anybody wants to buy it. $40 billion is all I want. We must take care of our bodies if we want it to work in the way it's intended to work. And I don't mean that we have to look like culture wants us to look, but we, we need to 
do self-care as an act of sacred duty. If we don't take care of ourselves, nobody else is going to. And so what does that look like? You know all the ways, all the ways your doctor tells you. You need to uh, eat a nutritious diet. You need to exercise. You need to uh, take vitamins and your prescription meds. You need to get your annual, get your flu shot, which we're doing here on October the 18th, by the way. All these things. You know all these things. But do it not because somebody tells you to, not because culture says you should do these things, but because it is our sacred duty to be good stewards of these vessels, these Nobody told me that was backwards. Of these bodies that God has given. So we must friend our bodies and we must tend our bodies. Number three, we must spend our bodies. Okay, I'm trying to make it rhyme. Give me a little slack here. We must spend our bodies. In other words, use it. When we get money, what do we do? We use it in some form or fashion. We do something with it. Maybe we buy things, maybe we give it away, or maybe we stash it in a bank or invest it, but we do something with our money. The same is with our bodies. We always, every single day, do something with our bodies. Maybe we sit on the couch and watch Netflix, which kind of sounds really nice to me right now. Or maybe we use our bodies working or doing chores. Maybe we use our bodies volunteering or offering acts of kindness and friendship. Every day we use our bodies, so we must spend our bodies well. And what matters is that we spend our bodies in things that matter in the long run, things with eternal significance. There's a great song, a popular song, written by Ben Harper, sung by Jack Johnson. It's called, I can change the world with my own two hands. And there's a refrain, with my own two hands. I'm going to read you some of the lyrics. I invite you to say that part with me. So I can change the world, ready? With my own two hands. Make it a better place with my own two hands. Make it a kinder place with my own two hands. I can make peace on earth with my own two hands. I can clean up the earth with my own two hands. I can reach out to you with my own two hands. Now I can hold you with my own two hands. And I can comfort you with my own two hands. But you got to use, use your own two hands. Use your own, use your own two hands. Beautiful Beautiful lyrics there. And I think that's what it means to glorify God with our bodies, that we use these bodies that God has given to make a difference in this world. That's how we spend our bodies. So friend our bodies, tend our bodies, spend our bodies. We have two hands. We have this one amazing, miraculous gift of our bodies. Just one. Just one. What are we going to do with these bodies, these very temples of God? I close with a poem written by Ariel Astoria. This body is a temple with sacred novels and holy scriptures etched into our bones, built to hold more passion than a human being can fathom. You were made for glory the human epitome of a light, a spirit so vast that it had to be contained behind flesh to tone down the brilliance. This body is glitter, and yet we wake up 
tell our bodies before they even start breathing that they are wrong. That each day they have failed at their chance of being something worth holding. These bodies have done us nothing but good. They have loved us through every skipped meal, cried tears for every time we compared them to another, wrapped their arms around us when everything else felt distant. These bodies are faithful. It's time that we start returning the favor. Say it with me. This body is mine. This body is beautiful. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Clergy Chick Podcast. Until next time, keep on shining.